0: That's exactly who you are, God. You're our way maker. That even when everything is peaceful, God, or when everything's in turmoil in our life, God, you are our way maker. That God, we, just as we figured out just now that we can't make enough time for worship. We can't make enough time bowing down to you and laying everything at your feet. No matter the good, the bad, or the ugly, God, you want it all from us. And God, we thank you for being our way maker. We thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. We thank you for for you taking just a little bit of time just to focus on little us, God. For loving us with with all our mess ups, with all our screw ups, but still calling us worthy, still calling us beloved. And thank you for spending this, this moment with us as we've all gathered here in this sanctuary today. Thank you, God, for being here in the midst of our praise, in the midst of our worship and sitting in these pews with us and Enjoying our love and our adoration for you, God. And so, Father, we love you and we thank you for being here with us today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do great? Today I want to, for all of us to go to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 13. And we have it here on the screen if you guys don't have your Bibles or your Bible app. I don't know why the Bible app isn't on your phone. Just wondering. But this uh, scripture says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers "...against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil days, and having done all, to stand." And I'm wanting to reread verse 13, and it says, "...therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." do I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them the title of today's message and it's, take a stand. All right, you got to say that with a little bit more authority. Look at your other neighbor and say, take a stand. That's a little better. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at my TV and I look at my newsfeed on my phone and and see what's going on in the world around us and the idea that we don't even have school, the idea that people can't even come to the hospital or visit their family members, the idea that, that there's so much political strife going on, to me, it starts to look like we may be in some evil days. A day when cities burn, a day when men call evil good and good evil, a day when what is righteous is condemned, And a day when pastors aren't allowed to have church, to me it kind of looks like evil days. (laughs) And if you guys were able to listen to Pastor Black when he came a couple weeks ago, he made a statement that God had given him a vision before that one day he would be in prison for preaching the gospel. And he thought that it maybe would be on one of his mission trips to Cuba or maybe one of his mission trips to to uh, some other country that may have a strict rule on on preaching the gospel of God, but he never thought that it would be America. And that thought, thought to me, sitting here in the pew, I'm not going to ask, are we able to? I started asking myself, am I able to take a stand for the gospel? If it, if it truly came down to that moment, if it truly came down to people saying you need to stop preaching or you need to close the doors or you need to stop doing what you're doing or we're going to have to do something about this, am I able to look at somebody and be able to say I ain't stopping? I'm not quitting. I know my, our pastor would be able to say something, be a little bit more intimidating, but I'm, I'm like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I'm not that threatening, and I'm not that near as intimidating as someone saying, nah, I ain't going to do it. But is the is God's presence, is His blood in my veins such to a point that I'm willing to be able to say that I am willing to take a stand? If that moment truly came down to it, are we able to take a stand? I'm not saying just in this aspect. It's just an idea that kind of sparked the beginnings of this message for me is, is are we is seeing, seeing the state that this world is in, the way that it has so, so quickly declined and come to these evil days. What is it that, that's truly caused all this to happen? And our pastor has told us this multiple times pretty much every other week that it's because the church has surrendered its authority in the earth. If you take the idea of this ship and and a ship has a rudder and the rudder guides the ship, the church has always been designed, God's people has always been designed to be the ones that man the wheel that man the rudder and direct which way the ship is heading to because if you look at the story of joseph god placed joseph in high places god placed moses in high places god even when the children of israel were in exile god placed his people in high places that every, all throughout the course of history you will see a follower of jesus a f- follower of god right next to the king or on the throne themselves and that's for the very reason that God's people have always been designed to have authority in the earth. And for each person, each, each person, you and I, it has a varying degree of being able to change the world, but the, the thing that we can't refute is we can't change our world. And the beginnings of that is, the reason why the church has surrendered its authority is in the past years, somehow in some way we've we've lost multiple, multiple views of, of the truth that God has laid out for us. And the first thing that we must remember before we're able to take our authority back is we must remember God's own authority. I was reading the scriptures this week and I didn't realize how callously and how, how, how numbly I read over passages like Jesus was raised from the dead. You know how crazy that is for any other religion that their Messiah was raised from the dead? You know how weird it would be for a hospital for someone to come out of the morgue? <laughs> and we read it like every day in our book. We read it every day in our Bible. That's that's just the, we're so used to the idea of God's authority that we become so callous to it. And that the very beginnings of, of taking a stand to To walk in the true calling that God's called for you and I to be in. is for us to beg God, to ask God, to give us a sense of wonder for His grace and His majesty again. It's it's first knowing and having an idea of how immeasurable His power and who He is. And I've talked to you guys before about about some of the things I've thought about with God's craziness. I was telling the teens Sunday how, how God is sitting in that little back room off the side of the gymnasium just as much as he's at the gas station down the street, just as much as he's in your own home, just as much as he's in this sanctuary, and just as much as he's in China all at the same time. And that how also he's at the very beginnings of time, but also at the very end of time and beyond that at the same time. That our God, it says, before there was even time, God was. And he has the ability to place light in the sky without a sun, without a source. He was able to create these things that make no sense to our logical mind. And that he is still even greater than that. And when, if you want to go a little bit deeper... Then I've also told you guys before, if you look at space and you look at the cosmos, that you look at all these beautiful nebulas and these star constellations, you keep looking at all these worlds and these galaxies, that it still has not yet ceased being made. That the edges of reality are constantly growing, and that there is constantly new, new things being created. That there still has not yet been a limit to God's creation since Genesis chapter 1. And that it's even to the point that we can't even pinpoint how many years back that was. If that does not stretch your imagination. If that does not stretch your comprehension of God's ability. Then I don't know what will. Or maybe it's the fact that God took dust out of the earth. And created you and I. And only took one breath. Placed it inside of Adam. And it's still causing all of humanity to live today. And that... That's just just a small example of his immeasurable power. That's not even to mention Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and how how many of his personal miracles he's done. That's not even to begin to talk about those here in the earth. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 say, And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church. Which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Saying God has given Jesus all authority in this earth. If you're needing scriptural context for anything I'm saying. (laughs) That all of reality truly bends to his will. That, That scientifically, if you want to go to more examples of the Bible... That scientifically, if the Earth stopped rotating, we would all freeze to death in an instant. But the Bible says the Earth stood still. And so God has the greatest abil- has a great ability-, ability to actually counteract reality in such a way that it won't even affect us. <laughs> this is why the side note, this is why you guys we have to reconnect with our inner imagination. Because your imagination is just you giving God access to do the impossible in your life. That's why a child's prayer is so so applicable. That's why a child's prayer has a way, has a way of shaking, shaking mountains. Because they have such an imagination to say that nothing limits my God. And that's why that, I think personally that it's hard for some of us to be able to to see God do these wondrous things that we read in the Bible that the Bible says we're actually supposed to see greater things than what we read in this book is because we allow the world to tell us that, that our imagination is useless. We're allowed, we have people telling us that reality is what it is, but we forget that our God wrote reality, so he's not bound to it. <laughs> And so since we are people of the creator, a creator that's not bound by reality, then therefore he gives us access to step out of reality as well and to create the reality that he already destined for us to walk in in Genesis 1. And so that is just the beginning of understanding God's authority is that not only does he have all authority in the cosmos and have authority to change reality by his own whim, he's also given us that same authority here in the earth. And that's step number two, is realizing your own authority. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. I don't know why, I want to read it again, so bear with me. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he has had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, even though we were God's enemies. You, are, you have been saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. I forget who I heard say it, but it was in one of our, one of the songs that I liked to listen to when I was in middle school. And one of the lines was, have you ever heard a story about the hero dying for the villain? And that's exactly the story of Jesus. That even while you and I were his enemies, and even though you and I were still dead in our trespasses, as Ephesians 2 says, even though while you and I were still his enemies... He still had a vision for us to be able to walk hand in hand with him and be able to, to walk in creation with him. To not be bound by what the laws of this reality says. That, that when the doctors say you're still sick and that when, when reality says you won't make it or when reality says that you don't have enough money to survive the year. That you're going to go bankrupt and you don't have any way out. God's reality says that I've made you more than a conqueror. I've made you... I made you be able to overstep everything that's in your way because you are not bound by this reality. That we we say so often and so again so callously, I'm saved by grace. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you're still a sinner that's weak and a villain against God. That means that you have all authority here in this earth. God is constantly, ever since Genesis chapter 2, has been trying to get us back to the garden with him and if you look at Genesis chapter 2 that that Adam had all authority in the earth. God named everything before he created the earth, but after he created the earth, he gave Adam the authority to name everything. And what you have the ability to name, you have the ability of you have the ability and authority over. That's why you can't let Satan name you. That's why our pastor talked about Sunday, you can't let Satan take your access to God. Because when you let Satan take your access to God, Satan starts to name you. Satan can't even have control over what he names you. He has to get you to say it too. That's why when you start getting depressed, you start saying, man, I'm stupid. Man, I don't know what to do. Man, I'm depressed and I feel like I'm not going to make it. That's you declaring and agreeing with Satan what he's whispering in your ears. But Satan doesn't have authority here on earth, so he's trying to get you to say it. So when he knows that you have authority, whether you realize it or not, and so you're giving him your authority by agreeing with what he says. So whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, the blood you are the image of Christ. And so therefore, you still have that authority. Not not only do you have his breath inside of your lungs, you also have his blood running through your veins once you've committed yourself to him and you've entered into a relationship with him. You have his authority here in the earth. That's why when you start declaring bad things, when you start saying, man, I knew that was going to happen. I, that, I knew nothing good was going to happen in my life. It's because you spoke it into existence. Because if you had started actually declaring good things over your life, started declaring the blessings of God reading His promises to yourself each and every day, then you would not see the darkness. You would see His promises fulfilled. We keep waiting for God to come out of the sky with His big hand to change things, but we, He's given us the authority to, for ourselves to declare the purposes and the plans of God to mold things ourselves. And it's not by our own power. Don't mishear me. It's by still the name of Jesus. Ask anything in my name and it shall be done for you. Not in your own name. Not in the name of Tristan. Not in the name of Chris. Not in the name of of, uh, Kent. In the name of Jesus. It's not by our own authority that things change. I also want to read Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. And in the context of this, this is Jesus has sent out 72 of his disciples to in two by twos and to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And this is what this this verse says. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And speaking in vain with Pastor Jonathan Morgan that came to our tent revival, he said that he will never speak in Satan in the manner of having power over him. He used the example that some people in the church have the have this saying that, oh, Satan's on my back this week. Pray for me. Satan can't even touch you. How is he on your back? The scripture says that God has given us authority to trample on the things of this earth and that spirit submit to us. Uh, Now, I'm not saying go looking for demons. I'm not saying go look for a fight. But I'm saying when they do come against you, because when you start walking in your purpose, Satan will hunt you down. You'll start seeing him try to set up roadblocks in your life. Start seeing him try to whisper in your ear, telling you that you're not good enough. He's going to start t- trying to tell you that, that you're not ev- ever able going to make it. But that's when you need to be able to take a stand and remember the promises. Be able to remember God's own authority so that you can remember your authority. That we don't have to sit here and beg God to change our life. That we're able to step over that hurdle and in fact actually step through it because it has no effect on us. If you need any more idea of God's own authority is that God's authority and what it is that he's allotted to us. That, re, that Christianity is the only religion in the world that's actually been able to grow under persecution. It's estimated that the underground church in China actually rivals that of the American church that's able to worship freely here every Sunday and Wednesday, whenever we actually want. A church that can be thrown in prison. A church that can be killed and outcast and ostracized. It's estimated that they rival the freest country in America, or the great freest country in the world. And I don't know if that's a testament I mean, I know that's a testament to God's grace, but that's also a testament to God's grace and his authority that he's placed in our lives. That they're able to look at a government that has almost all the power over that country and still be able to laugh and say, my God's greater. And because of that, they're seeing some of the greatest miracles and some of the greatest things that we have heard and maybe not even heard and seen in years it's because that they have realized God's authority they've realized their authority and they're able to take a stand I have a little clip from a movie a little no movie that some of you may not know called Lord of the Rings and we're just going to play that really quick or we can start it over If you require too many. Send word for the women and children to make for the mountain pass and barricade the entrance. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? Ride right out with me. Ride right out with me. shall sound in the deep one last time yes The reason why we've, I've talked about so much about God's authority and talked about the authority that He's given us and the reason why I wanted to show this clip is because just as we said in the beginning that it is time to take a stand. Going back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done all to stand. showed you that clip because in the midst of hopelessness in the midst of as the bible says in this passage the evil day that if you've watched this movie at all or if you've seen uh what the situation is is that this is supposed to be an impenetrable city this is supposed to be their safe place this is supposed to be the place that they can go to refuge and not have any problems but what do you do when you think that that which is impenetrable comes crumbling down Because their walls have been crumpled. Their armies have been demolished. And they don't have any hope left. That's why at the very beginning he says, What can men do against such reckless hate? And that's what, when I look at the news and I see the world and the the state that it's in, is what can we do against such reckless hate? Because that's what's demolished us. That's what's kept pushing us back. That's what... That's what's kept seizing the rudder from the ship, from the church, is because when reckless hate keeps coming against the church, we keep stepping back. But I don't know about you. But I think it's time for us to take a stand. And in that scene, all it took to change the tide of a battle was one person saying, hey, let's take a stand that at this point it doesn't matter anymore what happens let's still take a stand because we may go down with all this we may, it, our story may end here and now but at least we can do something about it as we go down but that's not the story of the church and that's not, that should not be our mentality that we're going to go down fighting is <laughs> we're just going to fight we're not going down because God's given us all authority here on the earth, and it's not for us to surrender. I don't, for me and Michaela, taking a stand is looking at these teens and letting them know that we're in their corner no matter what. And it's ensuring that we're there till they see the promises of God fulfilled. For us, taking a stand is lifting up our pastor's arms and ensuring that he never grows weak and tired while he runs this church until he sees his calling and his ministry fulfilled. amen. And so I don't even have to give you ideas what your stand looks like. It's it's that thing that you've been afraid to do. Your stand looks like the thing that Satan has been saying you're unqualified for. It's the thing that you've been afraid to step step out and take a leap of faith. For you to take a stand, it's only taking one step at a time. Taking a stand looks like what our pastor talked about Sunday is not letting Satan take your access to God. And that's through worship and praise and never letting your worship and your your amazement for God cease. And it's also like what Michaela talked about Wednesday is not letting Satan rob you of your peace. Because like a blessing and like we talked about the blessing and the promises earlier, it's a promise. It's, in fact, is something that we already own, that it's not something we have to beg God for. It's something that we walk into His presence already. That's how you and I take a stand and take that one step at a time to be able to reclaim what it is that God's already destined for us to have. So I don't know what your stand looks like, but you do. you want some examples of what a stand looked like, I think we need to take on the spirit of Benaniah. Benaniah found a lion in a pit on a snowy day. The, the circumstances weren't the best to fight a lion. In fact, it doesn't even really say that he had much in the way of weapons. But it said that he found a pit in a, a lion in a pit on a snowy day, and he jumped in after That's a bad dude. That's one, of the, that's one of the spirits that we need to adopt is the spirit of Ben and willing to look at our lions in the circumstances that we're afraid to face them and be able to jump head first at them another example is Moses God told Moses you need to go to the most powerful man in the world right now and just boldly declare let my people go and I think that has to be one of our declarations as well Your people is a state. Your people is your workplace. Your people is your family. Let my people go. And the very awesome thing about the Bible is that it says Satan is roaming around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Not not, he is a lion, but like one. And he's in a pit on a snowy day. And so that's what this altar is for today is for us to take a, take a stand and to reclaim our authority that God's already given us to take it back from the collections of a lion in a pit on a snowy day and put on the full armor of God and be able to take a stand in the evil days. And so as we stand, that's what this altar's for. I'm going to pray, and in fact, if anything I have said today has resonated with you, come to this altar and take a stand. Lift up your hands and worship Him. Reclaim that authority. Find that peace that's already been promised to you. And together we'll take a stand and not let these evil days affect us, but actually affect the evil days. God, thank you for our day today. Thank you for letting us be able to be here, Holy Spirit. And I pray that that as we take a stand today, God, you fill us with your boldness, that you fill us with your peace, that you you fill us with your grace, God. Let us never again become so so callous to the to the reality of how great and immeasurable you are, God. Let us never lose, lose re, grasp on the reality that you care so much for us. That you have all these beautiful things in creation. And that you still call us your most beloved. That we are the only thing that carries your breath, God. We're the only thing that has your blood coursing in our veins. That we're the only one that carries your authority here in the earth. And so God, as we take a stand today, for anyone that comes to this altar, once I say amen, let us be able to have the boldness to take a stand. Whatever manner or fashion it looks like, to be able to take that leap and kill the lion in a pit on a snowy day. So God, it's in your name we pray. So best you come to this altar. We'll pray with you as we worship.